sometimes uh, one of the fun things and other times one of the aggravating things, or maybe not even aggravating, I guess uh, disconcerting things, is there are times whenever you, you have or I have the opportunity to preach on things that are, just, uh, that are really on my heart, that are a blessing to me, and then there are other times when I really just feel led to preach on stuff that makes me feel kind of weird and uncomfortable. And uh, last week we, uh, we talked about, we're in a series now, what does Jesus say about, we talked about what does Jesus say about divorce. And then, and then today, uh, one of my all-time favorite subjects, and that I'm sure my children are like, oh, thank the Lord, Dad's preaching on this today, is what does Jesus say about sex outside of marriage? So I'm, everybody's ob- obviously thrilled about this, but we're going to dive in and just have a good time today. Um, now, one of the fun things for me is I love to find obscure and strange stories. And uh, I found this really interesting story. There was a lady that in Houston, Texas, saw a snake slithering through her yard. Now, I don't know about y'all, I am not a snake fan. Um, if you want to absolutely scare me to death, just show me. All snakes, to me, are poisonous, and they are straight from the devil. And so this lady saw the snake in her yard, and so what she did... There's Chris. Everybody look at Chris's shirt. Yay. Uh, I went to that concert in 1987. All right, so back to the story of the snake. So the snake is slithering through this lady's yard, and so she gets scared, so she gets gasoline. She pours it on the snake and then grabs a match and lights it on fire. Is that a weird way to kill a snake? And so it starts burning, so it's a flaming snake now, and it goes into her house. And it goes into her house. Her drapes catch on fire. The couch catches on fire. It burns her house to the ground. True story. Now we all know a slithering snake is pesky, but if you get one that's on fire, it can can burn your house down. Okay, now I tell this story because I believe that there are sins that are very much like that snake. Sin is a, it is a pesky critter, but whenever you light it on fire and you mess with it, one thing that can happen is it can burn your house down. And I believe that one of those sins that absolutely does that is sex outside of marriage. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to see the Apostle Paul addressing this issue with the Corinthian church. And in, in this text, he shares with them that when it comes to this subject, that there are guidelines that God has set up. That there are guidelines that God calls for his people to live within. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to see what he has to say about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse number 1, in, in just a few moments. And, y'all, people are, are the same. It doesn't matter what time period you live in, people are always the same. And sex was a major topic back in this day, just like it is today. Uh, and in, in the city of Corinth, it was especially a very popular subject. They had a temple there to the goddess Aphrodite, the goddess of love. In that temple, there were over a thousand temple prostitutes. Now, as you can imagine, because of this, promiscuity was something that was rampant. And it was also something that was rampant not just with, you know, regular everyday people. It was also rampant with people who were living within the church. And so sex in this day was not necessarily viewed as something that was sacred and special. And so this is where God comes in. God instituted a major guideline for the practice of a physical, of a sexual relationship. And that guideline is that it is only to take place within the confines of marriage. 
Now, that is not necessarily a popular viewpoint today. As a matter of fact, I don't know if it's ever really been a popular viewpoint. That's not a popular viewpoint in the world. It is not a popular viewpoint, I would guess, with even some people in the church. And you might be a person who disagrees with this. Or you know, maybe it's probably in the second service where more people disagree with this. But you might not even agree with this. But, but this is what the whole point of this series is. The whole point of this series is not what do you think. You know, it's not, this series is not called What Eric Thinks. Uh, this series is What Does Jesus Say About? And so instead of looking at what our opinions are, what our thoughts are, we're just going to go to what does God have to say about different subjects. And, and I just want you to listen to some of, the, some of the views that the Bible mentions concerning sex. I might not read all of these verses, but Hebrews 4.13. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Okay, would you all agree with that? Yeah, we all agree with that. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. He also mentions in Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And then we're going to kind of hop on down to the end here. It says, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Okay, y'all, when I see stuff like this, I think, mm, this is probably a subject that we ought to pay attention to. God is very clear when it comes to this subject about what he expects from his people, what he expects from his followers. And so today what I want us just to very, I think, very simply see is what Paul shares with us. And he shares with us some benefits that come with honoring God's commands and honoring God's guidelines concerning the subject. Okay, so, so what, is, what does the scripture say today? Well, here, here's the very first benefit of practicing sex within marriage. The very first benefit is moral protection. God wants us to follow his guideline so that we will be protected morally. And if you go to verse number one, it says about these things you wrote, it is good for a man not to have relations with a woman, but because of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. A grandfather was talking to his grandson. He'd been married for 50 years and they're talking about moral issues and the grandson was talking to him about being married for so long and he said, uh, son, he said, let me tell you something. He said, one of the greatest things you can do is to be faithful to your spouse. Honor her in the way that you live and behave. The grandson looked at him and said, Grand, I mean, it's the 21st century. So, you know, we have, we have protection these days. And you know, we, we, we don't really have to do that anymore. He said, what kind of protection did you have when you were growing up? And the grandfather very wisely said, we had wedding rings. 
Now guys, let me tell you something. God has not instituted guidelines for us in order to be a killjoy. God has instituted guidelines for us for a very simple reason. You know what it is? It's to protect us. Does that that make sense to you? That there are guidelines that are set up not, not to be, you know, a party pooper. God has set up guidelines in order to watch out for us and to protect us. Now, whenever it comes to the issue of sex, there is no doubt it is a major topic. It is something that people think about. It is, it is a major aspect of marriage. And I think some people are surprised to discover that God is the one who invented it. I think for some reason we tend to think that it's something that man kind of came up with. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we thought maybe MTV invented it. But then you discover God is the one who instituted this whole practice. But what we've done is we've taken something that God has meant for good and we've perverted it. And because we perverted it, guys, there, there is, it is a slithering snake that is on fire that is burning down the houses of people. And I say, well, how have we perverted this subject? Well, we've gone outside of God's guidelines. And his boundary is that it's to happen within marriage. And whenever we take it outside of the boundaries, then it is something that becomes sinful. It is something that becomes offensive to God. Now, some people say, well, why is it wrong? I mean, it's normal, right? I mean, it's a natural desire. Now, I think when I was younger, that would have been the argument I would use. Hey, it's natural, so how can it be wrong? But did you know there are things that are natural that are not always good for you? You know, a, a speaking of snakes, there are some snakes that are venomous. That is natural. But how many of you, because it's natural, think, well, then I, it doesn't matter if I get bit by one or not. I mean, it's natural. Well, you got, just because it's natural doesn't mean that it's good for you. You know, food is natural, but if I abuse it, It can become destructive. Sleep is natural, but it's really important. It's only safe if I am practicing it within a safe place. You know, if I'm practicing sleep while I'm driving my car, you know, that is something that can be dangerous. And so the same idea is also true concerning the issue of sex. God has given us boundaries for it. And he's done it in order to protect us. But whenever we go outside of his boundaries, it's interesting to see what happens. It's led to an incredibly high rate of children living in homes where a complete and whole family unit is not, it's not together. I read an article by the Heritage Foundation that said that childhood poverty can greatly be eliminated when the family is together. Do you realize that marriage cuts down poverty by 82 percent and yet unfortunately there are many of us who choose and we say well we're going to do what we want to do and we're going to live outside of God's guidelines concerning this area and what happens well guys what we see is we see destruction see God has given us boundaries in order to protect us morally and it is while it might not seem like that much fun guys I promise you it is the best way so what, what, is, what does God have to say about sex outside of marriage? He says that there's a boundary. He says you practice within marriage, and he said, and you will find that there's protection. There's moral protection. 
But another benefit that comes with it is that there is also an obligation, a marital obligation, a working together that takes place whenever we practice this inside of God's boundaries. If you look in verse number 3, it says, A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise a wife to her husband. Wife does not have authority over her own body, but her husband does. It'd be easy to stop there. But then it kind of keeps on going. And it says, equally, a husband does not have authority over his own body, but his wife does. Now notice that Paul said the husband and wife are to fulfill their marital obligation, their marital responsibility to each other. So what is the responsibility? Well, the verse lets us know that a husband and wife are not to withhold themselves physically from their spouses. Y'all, this is such a fun subject to talk to y'all about. All right. Now, remember that Paul addressed this letter to the people of Corinth. Now, Corinth is in modern-day Greece. Now, most of you know that some of the greatest thinkers of all time came out of Greece. Um, what, can you name one? Um, I think of Bill and Ted's Adventures, Socrates, uh, came out of Greece. Socrates, there was... Uh, Antiphanes, there's a guy named Thales, says some of the things they said is they talked about, they talked about the trouble that can come with marriage, and they talked about the trouble that comes with kids, and so these great thinkers, here's their advice, don't get married. Now, now some people took it to an extreme, and it, that appears to be what's happening in the church in Corinth. They said, well, because of the troubles that can come, and because the human body is something that's really not all that good, they said, we're just going to abstain from a sexual relationship even though we're married. And there were some people in the church who thought that they were spiritually superior because they were denying themselves of intimacy. And this is where Paul begins to remind them. He says, listen, you have a responsibility as a married couple to share your life and to share your bodies with one another. You have a responsibility. Now, now you can say, well, that seems like a harsh word. You're saying that a husband can force himself on his wife, and that seems, seems sort of, uh, you know, sort of uh, draconian. That's not what the word responsibility means. It's interesting. It says you have a marital responsibility. The word responsibility in our text, it means kindness. Um, in, in other words, spouses should, spouses should give themselves to one another out of love and respect. They want to fulfill their marital obligation so that ultimately that the other person won't be tempted to leave and go outside of marriage. Uh, Paul is saying that you are never to use intimacy as a weapon or as a reward. You know, if, if you do that, then what happens is you're, you're, you're destroying intimacy. You know, you're putting, you're putting a, a price tag on it. He says this is something that is simply supposed to be done out of love and respect. See, whenever a husband and wife get married, the Bible says that we become one. Right? We, we become one flesh. We're told in the book of Genesis, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. So in marriage, what that means is that the husband belongs to the wife and the wife belongs to the husband. When you become one flesh, I mean, it means that that you are together it means that you want to take care of one another as if the other spouse were a part of your own body. I, I want to take care of my spouse like I take care of myself. You know, I want to take care of myself so that I can be healthy and so that I can be strong. And I should want to do the same thing 
concerning my spouse because we're in this thing together. In verse number 4, it says our bodies no longer belong to ourselves. That phrase literally means we have no exclusive claim over our bodies. Now you say, what does, what, what does that mean? Y'all, this was a radical teaching in this day. And it was a radical teaching because men and women were not seen as equal. The man was seen as the dominator. His wife was property. And so whenever Paul says that what belongs to the husband also belongs to the wife and vice versa, radical, crazy teaching. He's saying that in the eyes of God, we are people. We stand before him on equal footing. Galatians 3.28 says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are to respect and love and care for our spouses and share all that we have with our spouses because we're on equal footing with them. There's a, a story I really like. I'm a baseball fan, and Jackie Robinson was the first black baseball player in the major leagues. And when he played for the, the Dodgers, um, everywhere he went, he was, he was booed. Uh, people throw stuff, they, they would boo him all the time, and even his home fans did not really receive him that well. And in one of the games he played, he made an error, and the fans began to scream and throw debris onto the field. There was a guy that played second base for uh, the Dodgers, his name was Pee Wee Reese. He was a, a, a white southern guy, very popular on the team. And what was really interesting is when that happened, when they began to throw debris onto the field, he was ticked off. And he walked over to Jackie Robinson, who had his head down, and he put his arm around him, and he stared defiantly at the crowd. And when the crowd saw one of their heroes with his arm around Jackie Robinson, they became quiet. And never again did they jeer or throw anything on the field again when Jackie Robinson came out, because they understood at that point that he was a part of the team. Guys, when we treat our spouses with love and respect like that, it changes everything. As we begin to understand that we're a part of one another. So whenever I look at some, some of the benefits that come with practicing sex within God's guidelines, it's, it's, it's to happen within marriage, and it, it provides moral protection. There, there's, moral, uh, marital, there's marital obligation. You know, we, work to, we begin to work together. We see each other as a part of one another. And then the last benefit I see is that it creates marital harmony. When we practice within God's guidelines, the marital harmony can ensue. Now look in verse number 5, last verse I'll read. It says, do not deprive one another except when you agree for a time to devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, otherwise Satan may tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, in way too many marriages, there's not a whole lot of harmony because, you know, we just, we don't communicate all that well. And we struggle to understand each other. One of my favorite, I love this story. There's a guy, who's walking on the beach. He's walking on the beach and he finds a bottle on the ground. And so he walks over, he picks it up and he opens it up. And, you know, the obligatory genie comes out. This is not a true story. So a genie comes out of the bottle and the genie lo looks at the guy and says, all right, you know the drill, make a wish. And so the guy sits there for a minute. He says, you know what? He goes, I would love to go to Hawaii. He said, I am afraid of flying. He said, could you build a bridge from California to Hawaii? And the genie says, you know, that, I'd love to do that. He said, but with all the environmental concerns, I can't do that. He said, it would create a real problem, make another wish. 
And the guy says, well, I would love to understand my wife. And then the genie said, do you want that two lanes or four lanes? Now, uh, you know, there's, there's times whenever marriage can be difficult. It's not always easy to achieve in marriage. And th- this verse lets us know that if you want harmony in your marriage, then you need to make sure that you don't deprive one another for too long in a, in a sexual relationship. So if you want harmony in your marriage, it's important that you pay attention to this area in your life. He says the only time that you should not come together is when you mutually decide that you're going to have a time of prayer and fasting. But he says, but that's only to be for a short period of time. You know, it's not something that you're supposed to, again, to punish your spouse. It's only to be for a short period of time so that you will not be tempted or that your spouse will not be tempted. He says, so, so make sure that you work together concerning this issue. Now, obviously, a sexual relationship in marriage is important. And Scripture points out it is only to take place within the marriage relationship. Now, I want to say this. Y'all, I know that there are some people who say, hey, listen, before I get married, it's important that we have physical harmony and compatibility. Let me tell you something. You can be physically compatible and not have any compatibility in any other area of your life. Those of you who have been married for a while, we all know this. Sex is not everything in marriage. There's other stuff. Right? Now, I know that for some of you who aren't married yet, that might be shocking news. But there's a whole lot more involved in marriage. Marriage involves getting to know your spouse, learning what makes them tick, learning what they like, learning what they don't like. And for us to discover that, it takes work. Now, there's some stuff that I, that I love about my wife. There's some stuff she loves about me. But the other side of that is there's some stuff that she doesn't like about me. And after over 20 years of marriage, she's beginning to understand, man, that's probably not ever going to change. Now, there are certain things that we love about our mate, but there are going to be some things that we don't like. But that's why Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3, 7, he said that spouses are to live together according to knowledge. What does that mean? It means we are to to learn about each other. Learn what makes them tick. Know what they like, what they don't like. And that works for men. That also works for women. And no doubt there's a lot of differences between us. A lot of things that are very different between a husband and wife. But here's the deal. God desires for us, even though we are different, to never separate. For a husband and wife to live in harmony. For a husband and wife to stay together. Uh, listen to what Paul wrote in verses 10 and 11. He said, I command the married, not I, but the Lord, a wife is not to leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to leave his wife. God desires harmony in our marriages. That's why the sexual relationship is very important. But here's another thing. God also desires spiritual harmony in our relationship with him, in our relationship with one another. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, I think this is more for uh, those of you who are not married yet. Because for those of us who are already married, that's water under the bridge. But the Bible points out to us that it is forbidden for a believer to marry a non-believer. 
Now, it's not because, again, it's not because God's trying to be a killjoy. He wants to protect us. A believer is to marry another believer. And his, his idea here, the idea behind it is faith matters. And whenever two people come together in marriage, and they are, the Bible calls it being unequally yoked, your desires are different, what you're seeking after is different, and oftentimes what it leads to is it leads to conflict and destruction in the home. Now, some of you might say, well, it's already too late for me. What am I supposed to do? Hang in there. Live for, live for Jesus. Be a witness. Stand for the things of God. Love your spouse. Pray for your spouse. And then see what God will do. But God's intention for the sexual relationship is for it to take place within marriage, and that's it. Now, it's not what, what do I think, what do I say, it is what does God say. And God says, I have set up boundaries. And the boundary is that the sexual relationship is protected in marriage. And God will honor our faithfulness in this area. Now, now how does he honor us? He gives moral protection. There's marital obligation. We begin to work together. And then there is harmony that comes. Now, some of you might be thinking, man, I've already screwed up on this deal. I've stepped outside the bounds of God's boundaries. I mean, is, is it too late for me? You know, what, what happens? Okay, here's the good news. 1 John 1.9 says, For if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you've stepped outside of those bounds, here's the good news. God can make you clean and forgive you. Now, your responsibility is to confess. It says if we confess our sins and then turn away from those sins. In other words, quit doing it. And so, well, can it, will that be easy if I just pray that prayer? Will it be easy for me to quit doing it? I might get, probably not. But here's what I believe. I believe that God is powerful and that God can instill within you the strength to have victory over this temptation to live outside the boundaries of God. Now, what happens if we do that? God, God will honor that. God will honor that. He, will, he can bring peace and he can bring harmony into your spirit and into your life as you are obedient to him. All right, so what does God say? God says it's only for marriage. What's our response? Well, that's where the, that's where the rubber hits the road, so to speak, right? What's our response? How are we going to apply it? Be obedient. Be obedient to what he says, and God will honor that. All right, now what I'd like for us to do is we're just simply going to close in a word of prayer. And it could be there's some of you, and just today, you might just simply need to ask for forgiveness. I mean, deal with God yourself and just simply say, God, I, I need for you to make me clean. And I want to turn away from my sin. And the, one of the cool things is the Bible tells us in, in Psalm, uh, let's see, Psalm 103, 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far will he remove our transgressions from us. Trust that what he says is true. Oh, <laughs>